You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, welcome, good morning, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Wednesday morning, 21st of December 2002, with myself, Kayum. <coughs> joining you, joining me shortly will be uh, Imam Atar, um, and uh, we will be bringing you two topics. As always, two interesting topics. Two topics we tend to talk about at this time of year. But uh, I think um, this year is going to be that much more difficult. Um, From 7.30 onwards, we're going to be talking about families who are struggling to feed their children at school as cost of living continues to rise. Um, Everybody knows that... uh, um, that, uh, with the with the, the the way things are in the economy, um, it is getting harder and harder. Uh, rents are going up, bills are going up, mortgages have gone up, uh, the prices uh, of all products have gone up, um, and it of of course, irrespective of um, which um, scale, um, in respect of uh, money, you sit on, whether you're earning 50,000, 60,000, or earning 20,000, 30,000, everyone is being affected. Um, And in the second part of the show, we're going to be talking about homeless people, how winter is never a good time um, for for people who are homeless and who are living on the streets, um, people who are facing, um, you know, not cost of living, um, but they're they're it's it's you know they're they're beyond that. Um, they're they actually have no roof over their heads. They are having to live on the streets in the most dire of circumstances. So the second topic from quarter past eight onwards is going to be winter, the difficult time for homeless people. We would love to hear from you if you have an opinion. If you work in these sectors, if you work in a sector where you are helping people, um, or you're working in institutions. Uh, that are, you know, maybe protecting consumers' rights or giving um, advice to consumers in how they can save money or how they can save energy or how they can, uh, you know, how they can balance their books in respect of the times that they are suffering. We would love to hear from you. And if you work in the homeless sector, if you work in the the homeless sector, um, if you're assisting people with homelessness and if you're assisting people who are homeless, I should say, and um, and or if you are working in soup kitchens or if you're working in shelters, we would love to hear from you too. It's 0208-687-7878. Um, and, uh, or you can uh, join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK or feel free to email us via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk. But before we do that, uh, we have uh, been joined by Brother... Imam Atar, morning. Peace be on you, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Peace be upon you all, dear listeners. It's an absolute pleasure, as always, you know, to serve here at the Voice of Islam. And, you know, I'm really delighted to be here in the studio, and uh, it will be a very, you know, hopefully a fun packed show for you guys today that we have. But before we get on to that, the weather, it is uh, six degrees um, on, uh, on par here. Um, it is uh, going to be, it's, it's the, the, the cold of the last week has kind of um, reduced a little mm. bit. Um, the sun has, the yesterday was um, quite sunny. Um, the temperatures today are likely to hit 
around uh, six at the moment, but you're looking at, or the Met Office says you're looking at around 11 degrees. But of course, um, our brothers in uh, in Bradford, Huddersfield, in Glasgow, our listeners up there, um, it is a little bit more colder up there for you guys. So I hope you keep warm. Um, you keep all your mm. cars. Uh, you, you keep your cars. Uh, uh, you know, keep all the necessary bits in your vehicles just in case there's a breakdown. And if you are on foot, uh, make sure you are dressed appropriately. You have got the right. Uh, you've got the warm jacket. You've got your scarf and you've got your woolly hat. And you've got your beanie um, to to protect you. Um, this weather, as much as the sun is out, the cold is still there. The chill is there. So I, as 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 always, I say, be please be careful. Uh, it takes a matter of seconds to catch a cold, and the last thing you want to do is catch a cold, um, or you want to um, put yourself in a position where you might need the emergency services, because that is uh, the headline of of today. Um, the headline in the metro is you'd better watch out and avoid taking risks. That's the advice. That's the newspaper headlines that um, uh, the metro leads with. Um, it's official. Don't get hurt or ill if you are in a in a in a situation where you might need an ambulance. Um, go and uh, make sure you have a friend or a relation or or a, or a loving neighbour who is able to take you to. Um, to to the nearest hospital, um, as uh, the emergency services um, are going to be controlled by the, the 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 army, but they are not allowed for the for for the most bizarrest reason, it it, it escapes me. They're not going to be allowed to use the blue lights. They are going to be driving the ambulances, but they're not allowed to use. And I'm sure there's some kind of ancient um, law or hmm. there's some kind of funky uh, reasoning that yeah. uh, that uh, they're not allowed to use the blue lights but it seems bizarre to me hmm. that they're allowed to use the ambulance and they're supposed to take people to hmm. the hospital but they're not allowed to go there using the blue lights which gives them clear access hmm. on the roads yeah what's your take on that other so they have to abide by the traffic laws uh, even that's if it's my like an emergency that's my understanding that, yes, that is they're going strange. they're not yesterday <clears throat> i heard that they're not going to be jumping red lights so they've got a person who's dying who's dying in the back but they they're not going to be using the blue light and they're yeah. not going to be stopping at the red light they're going to be stuck in traffic they're, jams they're going to be stuck in traffic jams i mean of course the 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 you know the beautiful drivers of the our country mm. they're always very accommodating and they make way for the ambulances mm, and the course. police cars but it doesn't make sense. So are they going to be like waving their arms around th- out of the window? To clearly, clearly something is way? going to be happening because it, for the life of me, it, it didn't make sense to me. But then anything that's happening in our politics today doesn't mm. make sense to yeah, me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, our, Strange our, times we're living our, in. Uh, our, uh, the people who govern us, govern us and mm. uh, people, even people who don't govern us and who aim and propose to govern us, mm. Some of the things they talk about and what they talk about, mm. it baffles me. It It's like, you know, living in, it's paradigm shift. It's They yeah. live in different world than we do. Um, uh, you know, it's it's all about politics. It's not mm. about people. Whether, you know, as I said, irrespective of what color uh, you support, be it mm. red or blue. Yeah. Um, or in, I think it's or it's uh, orange um, or mm. green. Mm. Um, it it the, the the politicians are 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 a, are a people on their own yeah, at this moment in time. Um, uh, it is. I, I look around and and I think it's communities hmm. 
that uh, is helping <coughs> and and uh, and doing the true work yeah. that politicians need to be doing while they uh, you know look after their own skin because you know we got ambulance workers today going on strike yesterday we had the the nurses hmm. we got postal workers on strike we bus got strikes, bus rail strikes, strikes rail strikes yeah. you know when when there is uh, you know, so many strikes mm. in so many professions mm. across the board. Clearly, something's wrong. Definitely, when there's say there's one or two, there's like a minority, yeah. then you can understand that. Mm. You know, they're just even then you should try and obviously try accommodate them. But when it's across the board, you have to realize you're the problem, right? Exactly, you're doing something wrong. And and we talk about you know I I was reading this article yesterday that the total increase that the nurses want mm. it works out to around one point six billion, and 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 people are being told oh they can't afford it, mm. yet the changes they've made in the de- in, in regulations with mm. banking yeah. has made that is is made them seven point just over over mm. seven billion, mm. so you've got enough money to you give seven billions in the in the banks mm. to for them to make money, mm. yet. People who save the lives of these bankers, they save your lives. Yeah. The the these these are you know people who are not there for the money. Mm. This isn't about money. The government has tried their best to try to make it about money, mm. but the thing is, people aren't stupid anymore. Yeah, definitely. People have woken up to the fact definitely. that you know they go on, they keep going on about nineteen percent. Mm. The government, the nurses are saying, that's a beginning point. Mm. Make us all make us an offer. Look in Scotland, hmm. they came up, they made an offer. The nursing union accepted it. I think it was seven percent or something like that. Yeah, and they're back to work. Hmm. But here, it's like politicians are in in they they live in cuckoo land. Hmm. They live in on on planet. Uh, you know, uh, they live on a planet that that you know we haven't been able to reach <laughs> yet as as normal people. Um, but. Um, uh, Financial Times leads with health bosses cannot guarantee patient safety in ambulance strike. Mm. And one thing I would say to people, everyone talks about how the responsibility lies on the ambulance workers and the ambulance and, and the, on the nurses. It doesn't. Mm. Who's in charge? The leaders. The leaders, of course. Yes. So the buck stops with them. Mm. The buck stops doesn't stop mm. with the worker. Of course. They're just working. Of course. The buck stops with the people who lead mm. and who are supposed to be leaders. Um and 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 you know th- this this narrative that um they they're trying to 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 go down this guilt trip mm. that oh because of you people might die. No. Mm. If people god forbid may god protect everyone and keep everyone safe if there is any casualties it will be the responsibility of the people who govern us. Definitely, definitely. It's like I, it's like you know COVID. Yeah. We all talk about we had a fantastic vaccination program. Mm, mm. Yes, but you killed two hundred thousand people. Exactly. Well, exactly. not you killed, but yeah, because while with your policies, mm. two hundred under 000 your regime, people, those, under those regime, people died. Two hundred thousand right? people died. Nobody talks about those. And the amount of money they wasted on you know track and trace. That's it. That was billions that they wasted on track and trace. Thirty billion or something yeah. like that. They could have given that to the NHS. That's it. You know, there there are so many holes in mm. the stories of mm. these people. They talk of the positives. Oh, vaccination program. Mm. Yes, fantastic. Mm. But at the cost of 200,000 people? Mm. We're the fifth richest, largest country in the world. And then we have the audacity to criticize other countries. Mm. Bizarre. 
There was this. Uh, I'm I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist myself, but I was watching this video of uh, he's an American conspiracy theorist. He 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 was assassinated as well, or he died of mysterious circumstances. Mm. His name is like a Cooper something, and he was saying in uh, his video that you know there is no job in the world that you could do that would earn you like a one million two million salary. No job in the world is worth that much, right? He was saying that you know the the people that govern us, like you know even in the back of the day of the Romans, they used to have coliseums. They would put on uh, these uh, parades and you know these shows, these gladiators. They would fight lions, etc., to keep the people like focused on one thing. So you look at the athletes of these world today, right? They're worth. They 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 make millions in like they make um a couple hundred thousand in a week, and they make multi millions in a year, right? Whereas, and we call them heroes. Look, props to them. They're doing great work out there in their own profession. They've made it, but the inequality of wealth—that just you know—it it it doesn't make sense. Like for someone who's doing like a, a nurse who's doing a nineteen-hour shift, la- saving lives, and obviously they will complain because they they're not getting enough funds. It's not the cost of living crisis is there as well. They're not getting enough funds to 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 basically run their houses. Bizarre, absolutely. Um. Um. Crazy stuff. Mm. Um, the I newspaper also leads with NHS strike, safety at risk as accident and emergency units declare crisis. Um, Daily Mail um, is, uh, uh, of course, uh, the, the, it's it co- it's covering uh, another version or the flip side of the royal story, which I'm not really going to get into mm. uh, because I think people have made a mockery um, out of out of. Uh, you, you're talking about the Netflix documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there, 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 there is a. Of course, there's a story there, mm. but in the scheme of things, mm. in the scheme of things, I ain't got time for it. <laughs> um, um, from from either side, yeah. of course, there are wrongs there and there are mm. rights there. Mm. Uh, of course, from the racist perspective, mm. of course, all of day course. long, it's something I will comment on on, yeah. on something. Uh, you know, from a world perspective, mm. um, but of course, from the the racist element of it, it mm. it's a. It's a foregone conclusion um, uh, that the media, yeah. the media is racist. Definitely. It is simple mm. as that. Mm. The narrative that that they uh, that that they kind of pander to the populist. Mm. And to a perfect example of that, the Danish uh, television, mm. when the Moroccans yes, won yes. and they were they were dancing with mm. their mothers, mm. they showed pictures of monkeys. Exactly. They showed pictures of mm. monkeys on TV mm. and comparing to the Moroccan footballers mm. and their mothers mm. to monkeys. This is this is the this is the the, the sportsman spirit mm. Mm. of the Danish nation. It's blatant. It's so blatant. No, no. They don't even try hide no, but it. But the thing is, you see, this is what makes me laugh. Is we're not going to react to it because we mm. just laugh at them now. Mm. This is this is the level of intelligence of these people mm. that they need to they need to look in the mirror. Exactly. Yeah. You know the French people who talk, who referred to who who portrayed the Qatari football team mm. as as terrorists. They had mm. balaclavas and guns on them. Mm. And the German media who ref, who who looked at um 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 I think it was also Moroccan players mm. that they, they uh, compared them to ISIS. Mm. It's like yeah. you know is it, is these media they, they, they're losing the war. And you know when they put the robe on Messi as well? Yes. Yeah. The, the uh, bisht. Yeah. They don't realize mm. the honor, the, the honor Qata- that the Qatari yeah, exactly. family mm. 
has given to mm. that is that is the ultimate kind of recognition of mm. nobility mm. in Qatar yeah. when somebody is uh, is uh, given the best mm. but but the these people who criticize mm. uh, the level of intellectual <clears throat> or knowledge yeah. of these people it, it it doesn't go beyond their nose mm. and what i would say to is uh, to, to 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 say to our my own team mm. english team mm. why aren't you defending um why aren't you defending these qatari players your your colleagues they're your colleagues in you in in mm. in the uh, in the footballing world yeah they they they're being they're being targeted with racism in our country when 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 uh, look look at the french look at the french footballers the Their on social media is foreign no no but the, the 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 african players mm, with the african, african origins players, yeah. they have mm. been they have been inundated mm. with abuse mm. just like saka was yeah. just like our our boys were when mm. when when they missed in euro mm. uh, and the media and the social media were mm. mad about with the uh, with racial abuse but ozil said as well about the germany team right the the, the french uh, media yeah. the social media mm. they're going crazy on twitter and their mm. racial abuse on these poor french uh, um uh you know players who mm. got african nations mm. that oh they missed they, they missed the penalties mm. you know and then again uh, <clears throat> all in the name of freedom of speech harry kane missed his penalty his very crucial penalty no one said anything about him well it's a good job he was white isn't he yeah i mean you know <laughs> it, it's that's that's the, what it seems that's like the, exactly. that's that's yeah. the thought that comes to mind mm. i don't see gareth southgate talking about the racist mm. element mm. you know it's the first time English fans haven't been arrested at a football tournament because there was no beer and because there was no alcohol. Exactly. I don't see Gareth Southgate screaming mm. and shouting about that. Mm. You know, I don't and and you know, if you're going to scream and shout about something, what people don't realize is in UK the the uh, the, the health and safety executive was only set up like uh, 20 odd years ago, mm. I think or 30 odd years ago. The the notion <laughs> of health and safety yeah. is and and we are a country which is thousands of years mm. old. Qatar is 51 years old 51 years old okay the law that they practice mm. in qatar mm. is actually a law which was left by the people who you who colonized them who colonized them the brits the brits yeah it's our law mm. that they practice mm. and they and and yet again most of these people won't know mm. because they they go on this populist um bandwagon mm. but the thing is i i would say you go for it keep mm. doing it Mm. because you're digging yourself into a hole. Yeah. The the beauty of Islam is something that that is that we we will set back mm. and and we will pray for you that may Allah guide you. May Allah guide you in the right way. Mm. Because when you make, you know, racist slurs like this, we're not going to retaliate. Mm. I have more respect for your for for for, for my own country. I actually have respect for my country. This is my country. I was born mm. here. I know my country is not racist. And just because the narrative that some of these people want to give because mm. they they have a fear of of uh, of other nations and other cultures. Mm. They don't seem to realize the the word great britain mm. great has been put into this country by immigrants. Mm. By the diversity, by the culture. you know in a, in a country where your favorite food is either chinese or or indian yeah yeah the shoes and the clothes in fact every mm. every single aspect of your life is based <laughs> on culture or yeah. immigration or comes from another country definitely
yeah hmm. so it it the double standards of the media is is hilarious hmm. it's funny the sad thing is yes of course they 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 are pandering to the populist hmm. narrative but hmm. there's a lot of people who are picking up this narrative and and thinking this is the norm exactly but i can assure you um people are people are waking up people are being more aware hmm. um the hypocrisy hmm. doesn't need to be called out anymore because it's there in your face and even yeah. all the other radio show pundits hmm. so many radio stations that go on about qatar this qatar hmm. that corruption this corruption that hmm. well you know um we can talk about um russia hmm. um until 8 months ago yeah. we were in bed with russia hmm. we were welcoming the billionaires mm. we were welcoming their money mm. it didn't really matter even though you know all of the things that they talk about now mm. um didn't apply then 8 months ago now yeah. suddenly applies yeah. they talk about corruption mm. shall we go through the covid um you know deals mm. again exactly. it's it's the, the 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 this is what i'm saying that sometimes uh we we have got to a point where we as people should be worried hmm. because the people who govern us and as and I keep on saying irrespective of of which color or which side of the floor you come from whether you're being governed hmm. or you or you are looking at people who are looking to govern you hmm. they that's just a race between them yeah. about power hmm. this is the time for prayer hmm. this is the time where you really do need to look towards god which a lot of people did during the pandemic. Hmm. Don't lose that track of thought that you need God. Yeah. Because I can assure you it was God almighty who carried you through because your hmm. politicians hmm. were were you know the politicians weren't affected. Yeah. The you, you know your money didn't buy you anything. Hmm. Um uh, your your stars and your media. In fact there wasn't a single person on the face of this earth. Hmm. who could have saved you but the only person who brought you through hmm. that 18 to 24 months of turmoil hmm. was god almighty definitely and and they need they they need to keep track of that hmm. thought process hmm. and and build on that instead of going back into that uh, the old the old ways of hmm. of me myself and i definitely but you know here you you're speaking about the believers of yeah. some sort that they do have some sort of belief right yes but those who are you know the the scientific ones or those who believe that you know it all happened by chance you can't you can't tell them about this stuff well you can the atheists. Because, well well the thing is you see even even chances how many chances mm. coincidences how mm. many coincidences mm. No, definitely, definitely. I'm, I'm. I, you know, it, to the choir here. Yeah, no, no. But, I, I, I see what you're saying. But, yeah. But as I said, m- most but people. But even, even, yeah, most people in some sort of, you know, some sort of life or death situation, they will turn to a higher power. Yep. Always. And the, the, the way we're going, the way everything's heading, that's, that's what it's looking like. You know, Russia's <laughs> threatening nuclear war. Yeah. Nuclear. But think, yeah. you see again. Uh, I mean, we 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 are coming up uh, to 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 the end of 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 our uh, first first session here, but a lot of people are going on about the nuclear war. I don't think the threat of nuclear is that relevant because the cyber hmm. threat hmm. is so far 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 more dangerous. Hmm. 
I don't think people realize the depth and the the the, the how far we have gone hmm. in respect of technology and how much we rely on it and how much we rely on hmm. it. I don't think people realize hmm. um how dangerous the cyber warfare is which already started years hmm. ago. Hmm. It started years ago. Um um you know and 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 that again is something um, that within the within the community when hmm. we talk of the world war 3 hmm. it's not just the nuclear war. Hmm. It's all aspects of yeah, it. Definitely. You know, His Holiness hmm. Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand, has spoken about situations where, you know, people, you know, communities and, and segments of, of the world will be wiped out. Hmm. Disability and, and deformation will hmm. will be, will be you know, will be the end result. Yeah. Um, and... And again, this is part and parcel mm. um, of if one was to really, if if uh, if the world and the, the 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 mainstream media and the politicians truly want to be honest mm. about uh, looking at where the world is and what situation we're in, yeah, then they need to take heed and they need to listen to His Holiness's words, mm. definitely, uh, because His Holiness has got no. He he's got no uh, um, no benefit. Mm. He he's he it's his worry. Mm. He worries and prays and mm. and prays and prays and continuously prays and guides to go towards peace. Mm. Um, he he he's not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. Um, but the worries and the concerns that he shows is something that needs to be uh, taken on board by the people who make these decisions. Mm. You know, use this guidance. Mm. Um, if you truly want peace on earth, um, they need to take heed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, and uh, the young author. Um, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to go on to our first topic of the morning, uh, which is cost of living and how families are having problems in feeding their children. So do stay tuned. Grab yourself a cup of coffee. and We'll be right back after a very short message. Life of Muhammad. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Treatment of Neighbours Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, always treated his neighbours with extreme kindness and consideration. He used to say that the angel Gabriel had emphasised consideration towards one neighbours so often that he sometimes began to think that a neighbour would perhaps be included among the prescribed heirs. Abu Dhar, peace be upon him, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to him, Abu Dhar, while broth is being cooked for your family, add a little more water to it so that your neighbour might also share in it. This does not mean that the neighbour should not be invited to share in other things, but as the Arabs were mostly a migratory people and their favourite dish was broth, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, referred to this dish as a typical one and taught that one should not think so much of the taste of the food as of the obligation to share it with one's neighbour. Abu Huraira peace be upon him, relates. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, exclaimed, I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. The companions inquired, Who is not a believer, O Messenger of Allah? And he replied, He whose neighbour is not secure against injury and ill-treatment at his hands. 
On one occasion, when he was addressing women, he said, If anybody finds only the foot of a goat to cook, that person should share it with his or her neighbour. He asked people not to object to their neighbours driving pegs into their walls, or putting them to any other use which occasioned no injury. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, The Prophet said, He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his neighbour. He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his guest. And he who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should utter only words of virtue or should keep quiet. Muslim With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet wasallam, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed, but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding. Yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Welcome back to Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, and joining and joining me is uh, my young brother Arthur. I'm on to the first topic of the morning: families struggling to feed their children at school as cost of living continues to rise. Arthur, what is this? Uh, what is what is this um, headline all about? So the soaring cost of energy has been a key reason why things are getting more expensive. Oil and gas prices um, increased because energy was in greater demand as life got back to normal after COVID. At the same time, the war in Ukraine meant less was available from Russia, putting further pressure on prices. The war in Ukraine also led to food prices going up by reducing the amount of grain available. 
and the annual food inflation hit 16.5% in November. The ONS said the highest rate for 45 years and up from 16.4% in October. And pay increases for many people aren't keeping up with the prices. And that's despite, you know, wages increasing at their fastest rate in more than 20 years. According to official figures, average wages, not including bonuses, rose by 6.1% in three months to October 2022, compared with the same period in 2021. You know, but overall, once inflation is taken into account, average pay actually fell. And there was also a big gap between wages for people working in the private sector, which increased by 6.6%, and those in the public sector, which were up by 2.7%. You know, um, the main the main problem that we're having is that though people's wages are going up, you know, um, slowly, uh, little by little, little, but they're not keeping up with the with the inflation, the the rates of the inflation. They're not keeping up. Everything else is getting more expensive, and people's wages are going up only by a little. Uh, in in I was watching this video in like uh, the nineteen eighties or the nineteen nineties. You could uh, the average price of a house. Uh, that if you want to get a mortgage was around, um, say for example, I'm I'm not giving the correct figure, but say for example, if it was around a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. um, you would have to you know put a deposit down of like say ten thousand, and your salary was enough that one could save up in a few years and put it down and get it, right? But now it's more than like double the price and it's impossible for you know the young generation people in their in their 25 to 30s to even think about getting a house see i've got a different perspective from you really it, it is it is um, um when you talk about the olden days and you talk about a house for 100,000 yeah. interest <coughs> rates were 16% mm. 16% okay uh, for the past 20 years, mm. the interest rates have been less than 1%. Mm. So the outgoing, mm. that's coming out. No, 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 I understand. I understand. And the exp- no. But I'm saying people I, who I are know eligible the, the to multiple, get a house. The multiple, of yes. course. Yes. The, the, the wages it's much easier to get a house. Wages haven't gone up in mm. accordance with the prices of homes. Mm. But this is one thing that uh, people need to understand. The, the cost of housing was taken out. Mm. of inflation mm. the calculation of mm. inflation in, mm. in the 90s by the Labour Party mm. because if you put the housing element in mm. back in mm. today mm. then our inflation would be above 20% it wouldn't be mm. 11 or 1.1 or whatever mm. wherever we're at at the moment mm. because there's a shortage of housing in this country the supply line mm. um, we haven't built any houses in the 30 in the 30 40 odd years mm. since the since the 90s mm. we haven't really had a real housing construction program mm. we always talk about it mm. we talk about it you know uh, th- there's been years where we haven't built any yeah or we've started them but we've never mm. completed them we've never completed them yeah so of course, when the supply is not there and the demand increases, mm. prices will go up. Of course, prices. No, will I'm, go ju- up. I'm just saying it was a lot Which easier. Is, of course, back when in the day, to, for 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 a young person to get into the housing ladder, like just. No, it wasn't. It was again. You're a young man. No, no, yeah. you're you're young. I'm yeah. old. Yeah. I know. I was young once. Okay. It wasn't. There was more regulation. Mm. 
there was more regulation hmm. there were more rules you had to abide by it wasn't easy to get you you said oh 10000 pound hmm. yeah for you to say 10000 hmm. pound today hmm. the value of 10000 pound today is nothing it's nothing it's literally but, nothing but but 20 years hmm. ago 10000 pound hmm. was a lot of money to mm, me mm, an old man like me mm, today 10000 pounds a lot of money mm, and you say and this is what i'm saying the 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 value of money mm, and the availability of money mm, has 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 put us in this position where people banks um have been throwing money at people mm, and people at, at a very low interest rate mm, and people are saying oh, i can afford that mm, oh, it's only 10 grand Ah, hmm. oh, it's only twenty grand. Hmm. Oh, I can afford three hundred pound. That's why you see people with big cars and all the best, uh, um, you know, the best of things. Hmm. But now, what's happened is because interest rates are rising, those same things hmm. are going to cost you more. Hmm. And what people need to realize is no. But I'm saying that the the wages aren't in line with with someone who's but able for twenty years they things. were for what twenty odd years they were. The, okay. the, uh, wages yeah. were wages yeah. were going crazy. Hmm. for look for for nurses mm. no mm. nurses have had a bad mm. time nurses from public sector point of view yeah. the nurses yeah. haven't had a pay increase for 3 years mm. and yes the, with the increase in rate of inflation mm. that 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 increase mm. the the sudden increase has put everybody out of sync mm. but if had uh, you know had that acceleration in interest um, um inflation rise mm. hadn't happened Hmm. Most of these, most m- most of these figures that are being banded out, hmm. like uh, people being offered four percent, five percent, six percent, it would have been okay. Hmm. Like even the nurses, uh, the situation. If the nurses are come, if the government or the unions or whoever they are, they, uh, the 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 decision makers hmm. come to the nurses and say, "Look, we think six to seven percent works." I hmm. can't see the nurses saying no to it. Hmm. I can't see them being no to it. Yeah. but the fact that the government keeps on talking about the 19% mm. that's where the problem lies and and of course these all of these the, the, you know fr- from the topic perspective all of these uh, prices the inflation and everything mm. has an adverse effect on families because it will make things that much more harder i mean yeah. i was talking about it last week that a yeah. friend of mine i was talking to a friend of my one of my sons mm. and and he said he realized that prices have gone up and i said how hmm. he goes well i used to have my lunch yeah. at mcdonalds hmm. i used to grab a cheeseburger you know these savor meals yeah that's gone up by 20p and he goes that's when i realized he hmm. goes if mcdonalds are having to put prices up hmm. but then it came to my mind that some people do rely on the savor lunches that he was buying for 99p hmm. and i's gone up to 1.19 like tesco meal deals they used to be 3 pounds they've gone up as well to like 4 5 pounds and that makes a difference it but does. but let's go and talk to someone who can hmm. shed some more qualified light um, on on this topic let's go and talk to uh, zoe mcintyre from children's right uh, to food campaign um hi good morning good morning uh, Good morning Zoe. Let me just give you let me do let me do my intro <laughs> bit for you. Uh at the moment we are dist- uh, you know we <laughs> you are the project manager for the children's right to food campaign uh and you have uh, led the campaign for the expansion of free school meals which has been in the headlines since September. Uh you have previously previously been an official in the government's department for food and rural affairs and you are a specialist on food waste and food poverty. Good morning. Welcome and peace be on you. Uh Zoe Thanks so much for having me. 
Um, Zoe, what is the role? What is your role in the Children's Right to Food campaign? And could you tell us something about the campaign as well? Yeah, of course. So uh, the, the Children's Right to Food campaign is run from by the organisation called the Food Foundation, who I work for. And essentially, it's a nationwide initi- initiative to ensure that every child in the UK can access and afford good food. Um, essentially, we believe that good, good nutrition and childhood is essential for improving long-term health and resilience of obviously children, but the wider population, hmm. and reducing childhood obesity and improving things like children's academic performance and their kind of long-term contributions to the econ- economy and society. So uh, like you're, you've been discussing, we're really concerned about the rising cost of living and how it's impacting children, particularly from low-income communities who hmm. are being really badly affected by the soaring food prices and energy yep. costs. And um, one of the things that we do is to... Um, track and monitor and report on food insecurity among households with children and we're really seeing a really uh, kind of worsening picture particularly for families so the last time we did this was in September and we saw that uh, households with children the food insecurity affecting these households had risen to over 25 percent which is up from 17 percent in April so essentially this represents about uh, four million children who are living in these households who don't have access to a healthy and affordable diet and so essentially we're you know this is a really alarming rise in food insecurity and shows that there's some really urgent interventions which government needs to do to prevent some of these very damaging long-term health consequences to our children so the free school meal campaign is set in that context and uh, we've been working very hard over the last few months to really draw attention through the feed the future campaign uh, for government to urgently extend free school meals to more children so uh you know, free school meals are a brilliant way of guaranteeing children, particularly from low-income low households, a hot, nutritious meal at lunchtime. And mm. they also, of course, support families who um, are, are struggling with the cost of living. But we yeah. know that there's 800,000 children in England who are living below the poverty line who are currently not eligible for free school meals. And mm. we're hearing, you know, some really heartbreaking stories all the time by um, you know, teachers and uh, parents about them not being able to, um, you know, afford food from the canteen, coming mm. to school with empty lunch boxes, children going to, you know, bins for leftovers. And teachers are often dipping into their own pockets to kind of try and cover these costs mm. um, so that they don't have to turn children away. So obviously, uh, you know, no child should be struggling through the school day because they're hungry or kind of face the shame and stigma and Definitely. the inequality of children missing out. And but one of the reasons why this is happening is because the household annual income threshold for children to qualify for free school meals in England is extremely low. So mm. um, a household has to earn less than £7,400 after taxes and, and before benefits. Mm. Um, and this threshold has remained static since about 2018, yeah. despite obviously we, us knowing that food and drink inflation has increased significantly. Mm. Um, and in England is essentially the kind of poor relation in, compar- in comparison to the other UK nations. So um, we see that in Scotland and Wales, for example, they uh, are currently in the process of extending free school meals to all children at primary level. So they're mm. removing the barriers and the thresholds of, of income mm. and just giving a, a free school meal to every child, no matter their background. And then Northern Ireland, if we look to Northern Ireland, the eligibility threshold there and the criteria is twice that of England. So mm. uh, children in England are, are 
are really kind of faced with this inequality, which seems uh, very unfair if we're, you know, looking across the UK. Hmm. And essentially it means that there's some children who uh, will be going hungry. And, um, and, you know, we know that children who don't eat don't eat and hungry at school are not able to concentrate Mm. you know their behavior deteriorates and they're more likely to be disruptive in class so extending free school meals is really the right and fair thing to do and is essentially an effective way for the government to support families in in the cost of living and 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 target those that really need it to Mm. make sure that children can thrive and, and grow up healthily this is definitely a problem that you know needs to be tackled properly and you know your campaign is doing great work um, could you please tell us what what is the Healthy Start scheme? Yeah, so um, obviously most people have heard about free school meals, but yeah. Healthy Start is another um, scheme that the government runs. So it's a statutory scheme in England, Wales and Northern Ireland, which essentially focuses on uh, younger families. So it helps um, young pregnant women and also um, families with children up to the age of four to um, to access um, funds to to buy particularly um, healthy food, so mm. vegetables, fruit, pulses, milk, and infant formula. And um, we know that it plays a really important role for low-income families to um, access a healthier diet. And um, those that are kind of registered on the scheme, there's some you know good 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 studies that show that they are um, improving their diets as a as a result of being able to access healthy starts. So. Mm. Um, it's another, you know, really good tool for government to be helping low-income families to um, to to have a good diet during the cost of living. But currently, there's a lot of problems um, with Healthy Start as a scheme. So, uh, like we're seeing with free school meals, the uh, the threshold to be able to qualify for Healthy Start is extremely low. In fact, mm. it's, it's even lower than that of of um, free school meals. So, household income needs to be less than. Um, £408 per month Hmm. um, to benefit from the scheme and we know that there's a kind of gap between the eligibility of Healthy Start so you can qualify for Healthy Start if you have a child under the age of four Um, but this leaves a gap between uh, Healthy Start access ending and for children to be able to kind of reach the free school meal eligibility um, age so those children in between that age are really at risk of of food insecurity and, and a poor quality diet and then, obviously, as I said, you know, lots of families, even those that uh, are eligible and would be able to access Healthy Start, just simply aren't aware of the fact that the scheme exists. Mm. So uh, we're really been pushing the government to make a more concerted effort to um, increase take up and, and actually, you know, do some wider promotion of the scheme so that those families who who could be benefiting uh, week on week from the scheme are, are, are actually uptaking it and aware that it even exists. Hmm. And I guess the other thing to say is that um, there has been you know, some improvements in the scheme over the last couple of years. So one of the things that the government did was to in- increase the value of Healthy Start from £3.10 to £4.25, which happened uh, this uh, last year in 2021. But obviously we've seen that uh, there's been huge food price inflation hmm. and uh, the products that, you know, some of the things that families are buying with the scheme, such as infant formula, have gone up astronomically in price. So um, this is something that we'd really like government to be kind of keeping an eye on and seeing whether that the value of the scheme needs to be, needs to rise in line with inflation. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, essentially it's a great scheme. And I would, you know, if any of your listeners have young children and think you might be able to qualify, I'd really encourage them to have a look at it. But 
essentially there needs to be a concerted effort from government to be actually promoting its own scheme and making sure that it's um, fit for purpose, yeah. So uh, how how can uh, families be helped, you know, in order to feed their children? Yeah, so I mean, um, obviously we don't, lots of families are um, really struggling at the moment. I think that it's really important to move away from this kind of personal responsibility blaming of of families you know we know that there's so many that are doing their absolute mm. best to um feed their children and provide them with a healthy meal and lots of you know we, we hear stories all the time of um ch- uh, uh, parents going without food themselves in yeah. order to make sure that they can they can feed their their children well but uh, this problem is too big as we as i said the food insecurity data is, is so widespread mm. that we need to have a concerted effort from government to really do something to support families at this time so one of the things is um you know around free school meals is essentially that we would really like to see uh free school meal eligibility to be uh in line with universal credit so that Mm. means that all families who uh, all children who are living in households that are eligible for universal credit which Mm. essentially you know is is there to help families who need it would also be able to access free school meals and Obviously, we'd like to see um, as a long-term aim for that kind of st- that barrier to be removed and for mm. children, no matter their background, to be able to access a free school meal. But obviously, mm. there's a big cost attached to that. So really, immediately, we would like government to do what's right and extend free school meals to um, to all households on universal credit. And then I guess the other thing to say is around the Healthy Start scheme. So there needs to be much more effort for mm. government to be extant- expanding and strengthening the um the scheme yeah. and making sure that it's you know it, it's it it's got it's good value and that um, it's being promoted properly to allow eligible families to mm. access it and know that it exists um, so they're the kind of two kind of really key areas that we would like government to address uh, particularly as we know that there's going to be a, a you know a budget in in the spring and they'll be looking for solutions to kind of help families in this really difficult time yeah Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. You know, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much yeah, for shedding for light me. upon this very important topic and raising awareness. We'd love thanks to have so you much. again on another time. Right. Thank you so much. Take yeah. care. Bye bye for Bye-bye. now. So that was, uh, you know, Zoe uh, McIntyre uh, from Children's Right to Food campaign. And, you know, they're doing some absolute wonderful work because no, no child, you know, should go hungry just because uh, you know for example no no parent can you know would willingly let their child go hungry right without a doubt yeah but they're having to because of the rise of living uh, costs and because of this, this she's doing great work at this campaign, and you know, um, she, she she rightly said that you know, especially those people who are on um, you know universal credit, at least they should be uh, allowed. Their children should be allowed to get free school meals because the threshold is you know it hasn't changed since since twenty eighteen. Well, one of the things that uh, has come to light is that the, the gap between rich and poor mm. is getting is increasing. Is so increasing? Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's go and listen to a, a brief audio. Um, which deals with this uh, topic. So Saab asks a question which is very similar, uh, just picking up from you as a new side. Dr. Saab, he s- speaks about the, the idea of poverty. And he says that the, the, the standard of the poor today is, is, is far greater than what it was, say, 100 years ago. So when we, the overall standard of the poor is improving, uh, do we need to make an effort, as, as a new side said, to 
bring them up to the stand of the rich of today? Well, there will always be in society a difference between those people who have and those people who have not. But I would uh, not totally agree with the statement that the questioner has made because if you go to many parts of the world, and Azhar Anissa has said has visited some of those, we find that the standard of the poor is still very dire. This is abject poverty that we are speaking about. You know, of a, of a population of seven billion, we know that a third of, the, of those people live on perhaps less than two dollars a day. And, and that is the family that is li living on that. We know that over a million uh, children go hungry every day. We know that the over 1.7 billion people have sort of diseases which are easily preventable. So when we look at these type of statistics, we have to question whether the, the standards of the poor has been raised to any, any level at all. It may have been raised in the Western countries, in, in fact, that people in Western nations perhaps don't find themselves facing that abject poverty that we find in underdeveloped countries as such. But we are looking at a global picture of the human race as, as one. And that is what is important for us to focus on, is that the standard of those people who are living below the poverty line has to be raised. And these are Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Welcome back to Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayyum and Athar. In chapter, we're going to carry on with the the, the topic uh, that mm. uh, we were discussing just before the news, which is the effect of cost of living, how families are having difficulty in feeding their children. And we were just talking to Zoe McIntyre, who was shedding some light on the on the difficulties. And, and looking at some of the remedies and the solutions as to how to deal um, with this channel. But this is a, a very relevant um, uh, topic in respect of Islamic perspective because in chapter 2, verse 169 of the Holy Quran, um, God Almighty says, O ye men, eat of what is lawful and good in the earth. In this, worth, in this, in this verse, uh, God Almighty is advising us to uh, keep our diets um, fresh, um, and, and, and and look at healthy foods. Furthermore, in chapter 7, verse 32 of the Holy Quran, God Almighty says, O children of Adam, eat and drink, but be not immoderate. Surely he does not love those who are immoderate. In this verse, God Almighty is advising us to be mindful of moderation when we eat. 
we should avoid we should avoid excessive eating so that we can maintain good health and from the fruits of date palm and grapes you get wholesome drink and nutrition behold in this is a sign for those who are wise this is a sign for those who are wise um, verse 16 um, uh, chapter 16 verse 67 in this verse god almighty is guiding us uh, to 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 focus on wholesome and good foods um other the the, the significance here on these verses hmm. is moderation hmm. to focus on healthy um, and and uh, and wholesome foods hmm. which are yep. good mentally and physically definitely definitely but you know uh, in today's society today's day and age uh, fast food right and uh, snacks and like junk food they are a lot cheaper to buy Yes, agreed. However, this is where moderation comes mm, into it mm. because one of the you know, things. I'm, I'm, uh, my point is that you know people are having to rely on this stuff. It's much cheaper to buy, so th- you know they go on to these, you know these um, they go on consuming th- this this junk essentially, and nothing else, nothing good is going in their system. I I, I agree with you, but to to a certain degree, because mm. I I actually think most of these people who tend to rely on mm. the fast foods yeah. have never actually looked at mm. how healthy mm. they might have to eat mm. less yeah. than they what they're eating on the junk mm. food mm. but if they were to focus on the, the healthy benefits. the benefits mm. of mm. healthy food if they were to try cooking themselves mm. we are living in a age a, we are living in an age of convenience mm. we tend to want everything done for us yeah. especially in the in the, in the modern western society mm. convenience is a huge industry mm. There are companies out there hmm. who will do. They will come and do your shoelaces for you yeah. at a charge. Yeah. And there are people out there who hmm. want their shoelaces tied by someone hmm. else. Hmm. That's the level of, um, a personally dangerous situation hmm. that we've got to, Definitely. where we think everything should be done for us. So, hmm. as much as I agree with you, the notion of of convenience and hmm. and junk food being cheaper, yes, hmm. it is. Hmm. But if we were to put, you know. A, a meal deal hmm. is what six quid, five quid, or something hmm. like that, or yeah. eight, seven, eight pounds. Yeah. Well, for seven, eight pounds, you can actually cook hmm. a very healthy meal hmm. for a couple of people. Yeah. Whereas one meal deal will feed one. Hmm. You know, if you were to go and pick your vegetables, if you were to go and pick, yes, it's easy for me to sit here and say that. Hmm. A lot of people might hmm. be saying, yeah, yeah, it's easy for you to say, yes, it is hmm. easy, hmm. but it is also as easy to go and find out. Hmm. Definitely. Yeah, because Definitely. we have got smartphones. Mm. We have got everything smart. Mm. So let's ourselves be smart as well as human beings mm. and use these uh, technology to go and learn. Yeah, It takes a few minutes to learn or to follow. Mm. Follow instructions on YouTube on how to cook a healthy meal. Yeah. But let's go and talk to our next guest um, uh, of uh, of the morning, we have with us. Who do we have with us? We have Dr. Simon Steenson, who's a nutrition scientist, British Nutrition Foundation at the British Nutrition Foundation. Uh, Simon graduated from the University of Nottingham with a BSc in nutritional biochemistry. After which he spent eighteen months working as a researcher within the Medical Research Council's Human Nutrition Research Unit in Cambridge, investigating the effects of vitamin D status on bone health. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to the breakfast for sure, Simon. Oh, hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Just to begin with, could you tell us what does the British Nutrition Foundation specialise in? 
Yeah, well, at the British Nutrition Foundation, so we are a charity uh, founded over 50 years ago, and we focus on providing um, engaging and actionable um, advice and resources for people to to be able to make some positive changes to their diet, but based on on, mm. a, on sound science. And um, our focus is that everyone can have access to it to a healthy and a sustainable diet. And so, of course, the current cost of living crisis and of course how this is impacting on families and obviously children as well is 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 very sad we heard obviously that you know the, the shocking um statistics um just now from from zoe and uh, yeah. and how it's really impacting on uh, how it can impact on children's education so it is is something that obviously you know we do we do care um mm. care a lot about mm. as, a, as a charity and um how are the children you know suffering due to food inequality yes well i mean you know obviously we there are the issues around children having enough to eat or at the mm. right times of day or maybe yeah. coming to school hungry um i mean for ex- there was a survey conducted uh, looked at children's experience over the over the over the summer and towards the end of the last academic year and um mm. found that one in six children had said that they'd visited um a, a food bank over the summer holidays either mm. th- themselves or with a family um and also that almost a quarter of children said that they had friends or that they knew people at school who who were hungry or didn't have enough to eat and so that's obviously very sad but it's not just an issue of course around having enough to eat but also it's around the quality hmm. as well of, of what children and families have to eat um yeah. well if we know for example that the cost of living crisis is affecting not just um the amount that people are buying but what they're putting in their trolleys so there is data showing that um, for example, some people might be buying less fruit and vegetables, mm. um, for example. So this can have a large impact on the quality of children's diets and therefore obviously the quality of uh, of nutrition they get uh, from their diets. Mm. And, you know, factoring this in, like, you know, that people, children are going hungry at schools, how is the education being impacted because of this? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obvious i suppose um really but obviously children who are going to school hungry yeah. or, or not having enough nutritious food to eat throughout the day whether mm. that's through through school meals or food they're bringing themselves or uh, or buying that obviously this can seriously affect their their ability to concentrate um their, their energy levels and this of course can then obviously impact on how successful their time at school is and their education and can obviously then have a an impact on children's ability to fulfil their potential, and obviously mm. being hungry does really not help with their um, ability for, for, you know, for academic success and achieving their potential. So, mm. um, not eating breakfast, for example, before going to schools can obviously affect their energy levels. But also, if children are then not getting um, access to a to a good meal as well during the day, it can it can really be a, a big problem in terms of their their ability to mm. to concentrate and to 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 thrive and to uh, be successful at school. Yeah. And so, you know, you spoke about the quality of food, the, you know, for it to be like a good proper meal. So how can insufficient access to healthy food affect uh, one's health? Yeah, well, of course, we know a healthy, balanced diet is important for our health. Yeah. Um, poor diets are those that really tend to be higher in, in calories, but also things like saturated fats mm. or, um, or sugars, but also lower in fruit and vegetables. And this can obviously be a contributing factor to for, um, to, to gaining weight and it can also have other ne- negative health uh, outcomes. So, I mean, we know that, for example, children from more deprived areas or from low-income backgrounds are more likely to be 
living with overweight or obesity and that mm. this can then um, track across into when they are adults. I mean, it's quite worrying that we know that um, children from when they're about four or five years of age, when they enter primary school to when they leave at sort of 11 years old, that they the proportion with overweight with obesity does does increase during this period. So it's obviously mm. a very important time for us to to try to ensure that all children have have access to it to a balanced and nutritious uh, and nutritious diet, um, because this can be very important for reducing uh, health inequalities that children that might experience throughout their lives. So if children are um, not eating as good a quality diet, or if they are suffering from overweight and obesity then that can increase the risk of things like uh, type, two, type, uh, excuse me, type 2 diabetes or cardiovascular disease um, later in life. But also this is um, being seen in, in younger children now, for example, type 2 diabetes. Mm. Um, but also as well, children are growing and developing during this period. So if they're not perhaps getting the right balance of some key nutrients that are important for, for growth and development, things like um, calcium, iron, or enough good quality protein. This can also mm. have an impact on their physical development as well. Yep. And obviously, if children are going to school hungry or if they're suffering, suffering the stigma of perhaps others, they're knowing that they don't have enough to eat or that their family's struggling to afford, that mm. can also have a huge impact on their mental health, obviously, as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what can we as listeners do to help this, uh, you know, well-worthy cause? Yep. Well, I mean, there, there are lots of things we can do to help, of course. I mean, um, that we can support um, some of the um, campaigns like we heard about from, mm. from Zoe just now and the, yeah. the excellent work that the Food Foundation has been doing. Yeah. But, of course, we can look at our, our immediate local areas. So look online for, mm. obviously, not just food banks, but any other um, sort of community food projects that might be happening over this winter and yeah. to see if there's any way in which you can donate maybe your money or food or time uh, to help out and there might be for example um, Facebook groups or, or other ways that people are organizing to try and help out in the local area so it's possible to see what what you can do but mm. in terms of for families who are, who are really struggling and might not be able to afford for example the um, uh, free free uh, school meals. They might not be getting access to these, or that they might not be able to afford the meals hmm. for the children. There are some things that they can try to do around um, things like packed lunches. Yeah. Um, so cost-effective ingredients that can be quite filling and give like a source of protein. Things like beans, chickpeas, lentils that are canned. Hmm. These can be um, could be cheaper than meat, for example, and. Um, can also be something that can be kept in the cupboard or might be available from food banks and uh, it's not just a source of protein but can also provide other healthy things like fiber as well um other ones to look out for as well out of a can would be things like oily fish yeah if, if if children will eat these things like salmon or sardines or mackerel um they can be another a cheaper protein option that also has things like uh, healthy omega-3 fats and some other important nutrients for children as well like calcium and iron hmm. um, and also if uh, dairy foods can be or, or, or fortified um, alternatives can also be quite a cost-effective um, source of not just protein but of course things like calcium and other essential nutrients um, iodine for example but also B vitamins so uh, things like um, yogurts um, uh, um, have a small a small piece of uh, cheese, you know, th mm. those kinds of things that are that are nutritious or and, and um, nutrient dense for children. But also, when families are sh when families are shopping, there's a, a few things you can try to do. Um, even though 
when budgets are very tight for, for, that can try to make uh, things a bit healthier like um choosing a higher fiber or a wholemeal type of bread or wraps or chapatis and pitas um mm. instead of uh, instead of white versions but also remembering that um things like canned and frozen vegetables you know we know these that these can tend to be cheaper than fresh but they, they do they do still count towards our five a day that we yeah. will be getting yeah. um, and also they can be easier to for example add into dishes when cooking at home or mm. they could also be frozen veg could be microwave for example so they can also help to increase um the the convenience hopefully of, of those as well yeah thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning doctor it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for shedding light on this topic would love to have you going another time for now take care have a good morning and peace be upon you thank you thank you interesting very interesting some good tips there mm, um you know um at the beginning of the show we we talked about um the responsibility who's responsible mm. um and and i wanted to give it a bit of context before we move on to our next topic yeah um from the right here's caliphate which is the caliphate that started after the passing of the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon mm. him and the second caliph was mm. was uh, was caliph umar yeah i mean allah be pleased with him he once came across a woman and her children mm. who were carrying who were crying because mm. of hunger yeah uh, caliph umar asked them if they had anything to which the woman replied that she had only some water mm. which she was boiling and mm. um, the woman said that uh, god would judge between them and caliph umar mm. as uh, he was to watch over them and yeah. was unaware of their condition because Caliph Umar was the mm. caliph. He yeah. was responsible mm. for the the well-being mm. of the people within, um, you know, within his rule, within as, his rule as, yes. as 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 uh, you know one would say. Mm. And Caliph Umar went to the stores and carried back some food mm. um, himself for the family. Mm. And um, th- there was this one person who was accompanying him. Mm. He kept on insisting. Mm. um to allow him to carry mm. the mm. load instead of caliph umar yeah. being the caliph yeah. he felt a bit embarrassed that mm. the caliph is having to carry uh, this this uh, this this um uh, grain mm. um that the caliph umar was carrying yeah. uh, to this to this lady and when he kept on insisting to the caliph umar that let me carry it for you and caliph umar turned to him and said will you carry my burden mm. on the day of judgment mm. now if one was to put this into context mm. and to and to yeah. bring it into to because that statement is not just for that time yeah what that statement caliphom was talking about is that as a caliph he is also responsible he will be exactly. answerable to god almighty exactly he will be answerable to god almighty mm. for all his actions mm. and and he felt so aggrieved mm. that he felt he had failed this woman and child yeah because because they didn't have enough food hmm. and you know this uh, sorry to just cut hey. in this uh, teaching is in accordance to the teaching of islam it is mentioned in the holy quran la taziru wadiratun wizra ukhra that no soul shall bear the burden of another soul yes right hmm. so he had to answer for his responsibility exactly and he was completely right in saying so yep. that that's why he felt so agreed like you rightly said mm. that he it was his responsibility to look after his people yes and and that's the key mm. it is simple yeah there is no complicated equations mm. to be calculated exactly here. if you govern mm. then you are responsible exactly. for the well-being and the provision that you provide mm. the basics mm. 
to the people that you govern. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, and Brother Other. We're going to take a very, very, very quick break. When we come back, we're going to go on to a similar topic, which is winter and the effect it's going to be having on, on homeless uh, this year. to the voice of Islam radio Al Qadir The powerful the one who has both power and authority over all his creatures It is Allah who created you in a state of weakness and after weakness gave strength then after strength caused weakness and old age he creates what he pleases. He is the all-knowing, the all-powerful. Welcome back to Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, and Brother Uther. Um, on to the second topic of the morning, which is winter, the difficult time for homeless people. Um, Uther, what's, uh, what are we talking about here? I mean, this is a topic we talk about every winter. Mm. Um, it's something I have some experience in. Um, um, I've worked with the homeless yeah. in, in, uh, in a previous previous life mm. um, I, I worked for homeless people for over 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 a decade okay um, in a professional mm. capacity so I know I've yeah. seen it firsthand mm. the difficult time um, mm. that uh, some homeless people have who are not homeless out of choice as a lot of people might seem to think yeah um, it is out of desperation it is out of mental health it is out of not knowing mm. where the provisions are um, and uh, you know it is it is actually a sad sad mm. fact that uh, if one was, if the provisions were there, most of the people who are actually homeless, mm. um, um, they 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 wouldn't be homeless mm. if they were able to access the correct facilities and the provisions yeah. that are actually out there. Mm. Um, and a lot of charities and a lot of mm. fantastic organisations are <coughs> taking up the burden yeah. and the responsibility of ensuring that our homeless people these and the, there are people. They're not mm. just the homeless. Mm. They are homeless people. Yeah, we we tend to de- we have we've de- got dehumanize into, in a, we in a dehumanize. Sense. Yeah. We, we've got into the habit of dehumanizing mm. um, individuals, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, by, we put them know, into like a sort of category, saying well, that you know it's it, just there. Yeah, we, we you right? know I was t- uh, talking about this a couple of days ago. Mm. Illegal immigrants. Yeah, they're illegal immigrants. Mm. No, no, they are people. Yeah. There are people who are dying. There are people who have migrated from their country f- in fear of their life. That's it. And and similarly here, these th- we are talking and we about treat them as criminals. Beings. Yeah, right. Well, similarly here, yeah, homelessness is mm. a crime. Still, mm. rough sleeping in mm. this country is still a crime. Mm. 
you can be picked yeah. up and mm. be thrown in jail. Mm. It's it's a it's a crazy law. Mm. Um, I, I actually wrote an article about it a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, that you know, but but the homeless mm. is not the home. It's it's people yeah. who are who have got mental health issues, who mm. have got financial issues, who have got family issues, um, and uh, and uh, they are not homeless out of choice. Yeah, uh, you know, th- again, this narrative is something that needs to be continuously mm. challenged. Um, and of course, in this winter, temperatures are dropping more than before. Yeah. In in, in uh, you know in, in the country we're living, and mm. and these people, are especially, they're struggling to survive uh, this winter. But you know, before me and you get into to 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 discuss this point, let's go mm. and talk to um, our first guest um, um, of the morning. We have got with us um, Ruth Jacob, who is policy and parliamentary affairs manager of Crisis Organization. Crisis is the national charity for people experiencing homelessness. We help, um, and uh, they help people directly out of homelessness and campaign for the social changes needed to solve it. Uh, and uh, they uh, they work together uh, to end homelessness. Um, good morning, welcome, assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, Ruth. Oh, good morning, nice to be here. Thank you for taking time out and coming on to The Breakfast Show. Um, Ruth, what is the current state of homelessness? Um, in the United Kingdom? Unfortunately, at the moment, um, a lot due to the cost of living crisis, we're actually seeing thousands of people who are who are living on low incomes um, at increased risk of being pushed into homelessness because of those rising financial pressures that people are facing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're seeing food costs rising um, due to inflation, and people are seeing their energy bills go up, and we're also seeing rents rising um, in the private sector at the fastest rate they have in 16 years. And that's all leading to people struggling to afford their rent and being pushed to the brink of homelessness. And we're actually already seeing that in in a rise in the numbers of people sleeping rough. Um, In London, uh, most recently, kind of over the summer period, there was an increase of 25% in terms of the numbers of people rough sleeping in comparison to the same time the previous year. So we're really seeing the impact already. So, I mean, you, you talked about the cost of living, and I understand, I agree, you know, the cost of rents have gone up because... Landlords sometimes, um, you know, their mortgages have gone up and they are just passing on the cost to the tenant. And, of course, um, within the local authorities, of course, they, they are not, um, you know, protected from these increases. They are having to put up their rents as well. But is it only cost of living or is it more uh, uh, an issue of policy where, you know, this, 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 this issue of homelessness and people who are being homeless, um, is there a will? Is there a political desire to resolve it? I think it, def- it definitely is an issue of policy. You're absolutely right. Um, there is, there's been a political desire to to tackle rough sleeping, but I think what we're not seeing from this government is the the desire and the action to actually tackle the root causes that are pushing people into homelessness. So that would be things like actually building the genuinely affordable homes um, that we need. So there's enough homes for the people, for everyone that needs them. And also, in particularly in the immediate term this winter, investment in housing benefit support, because what we've seen is that that's just not keeping up with rents. No. Nope. It's frozen. Uh, I mean, the local um, housing allowances are, yeah. the way they calculate them comparatively to the private sector rents, there's just, they're, 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 com- there's a, they're completely different tables. Exactly, yeah. They, um, they're, so they're supposed to, according to government policy, keep up and reflect the bottom third of rents in a local area, but that's just not the case anymore. Um, rents have risen so much and that 
that benefit has remained frozen so people just can't afford their rent with that with that benefit um ruth i used to work in in homelessness i, I worked mm. over a decade in, in in homelessness and one thing i've never been able to understand we have got thousands of empty properties and i'm not talking private sector public sector we've got council homes who are sitting empty across london and and local authorities say we don't have the funds to bring them up to the relevant uh, housing standard but if we have empty units why aren't they being used why aren't grants being given why aren't they being put out to private sector contracts or partnerships to say look we've got these empty properties we can utilize it i mean i'm talking uh, double figure thousands yeah absolutely i think you're absolutely right the government should be doing everything they can to bring those empty properties make use of any stock that's existing that's that's not being currently used to its kind of full potential Mm -hmm. and bringing in kind of that additional funding and grants for local authorities i think where we have seen examples of that happening it's really successful but we need to see it on a much bigger scale and that investment to help local authorities actually use all those properties so we're not seeing we're not seeing homes sitting empty while people are sofa surfing or sleeping on the streets or or kind of just stuck in in really unsuitable kind of hostels or b&bs now you you're obviously from crisis so what does crisis do to tackle um, uh, homelessness? Yeah, so crisis, at crisis we support people all year round through our services um, to provide one-to-one support, advice, um, courses, access to kind of education and employment to help people um, to rebuild their lives and to support people out of homelessness into a long-term home. Um, at Christmas, we also run crisis at Christmas, uh, so we provide additional support, warm meals, additional shelter um, and help for people over this kind of Christmas period and into January. And that is a really crucial opportunity where we can introduce guests to our year-round support. And for many people, that is the first step um, for people out of homelessness. Um, One question that that before, if you were, you know, an 18-year-old, you were eligible for a one-bedroom flat, but now... Or, or I think it increased to 25, and now it is you have to be over 35 to be eligible for a one-bedroom accommodation. Yeah. Has that had an impact, and isn't that kind of like an uh, uh, unfair policy? Isn't that going to have more of an impact on homelessness? We definitely see that for, for younger people, people under 35, as you say, are entitled to, to less support um, and only entitled to a room in a shared house and that does it has a massive impact for younger people um, and we know for under 25 as well it's things like getting a lower minimum wage um, and for people who are not obviously able to kind of all live at home um, and living independently their costs are the same as, as everyone else's um, when it comes to rent or food um, or anything else so, so it definitely feels unfair that that people are getting less support just because of their age. Now, a lot of our listeners might be thinking, well, what can I do um, to to assist people um, or people av- av- to help avoid people getting homeless? W- what can people do? I mean, um, let's say someone out there who's a landlord, someone out there who might have some money they want to donate, uh, somebody might have time that they, they might want to give. What, what can people or me and other here sitting in the studio what can we do to 
to to to assist yeah it's definitely um lots that people can do we um people can donate to crisis and we're reliant entirely on kind of almost the generosity of people um who donate and that by donating a gift to crisis you're helping someone to to access our year-round services and to get all of that kind of personal one-to-one support to help them out of homelessness and we also have lots of opportunities for people to volunteer especially at christmas time um so if people want to go on our website it's crisis.org.uk um, and you can see we have opportunities to volunteer over the christmas period and in january and we're always um in need of volunteers and also if people are just obviously if you see someone who's sleeping rough um in the street um sometimes the best thing to do is just to talk to someone and ask what they need um it might be that they just want to chat or they want need some hot food um or you can refer people to Streetlink um as a, a helpline and an app and that can connect people into local services wonderful um ruth you you know we we've talked about homelessness part of the solution i always tend to look at this and whenever when when you know when we worked in in the industry mm. there's no cohesive thinking here there isn't um you know everyone seems to be looking for their own solutions shouldn't employment education housing need to be uh, need to be kind of forming a department which is mm. uh, kind of uh, jointly responsible um to ensure that uh, people are successfully taken out of homelessness and 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 uh, you know become uh, 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 members of society where they are contributing back yeah exactly it's it's definitely uh needs a whole government approach and a whole government solution um and actually we know that if if that happens um then we can prevent people from becoming homeless in the first place if when someone is struggling um in school or at work um or they 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 go to their doctor um and they mention that they're concerned about their housing costs and it's causing them stress and anxiety if something happens then to refer people to the right services whether it's the local authority or to a charity or or to debt advice um and they get that support at that early point then they that could prevent them from becoming homeless at all um and that's what we in addition to kind of providing the financial support that will actually cover people's living costs that's what that kind of whole system approach is what's needed to actually prevent homelessness and we know that that's possible um but it just yeah it needs the government will and people kind of working together to do that finally Ruth, i the reason i asked this question because finland is a perfect example mm-hmm. of uh, of of how they have kind of more or less um um you know eradicated homelessness from from finland yeah. but they have put provisions in and they have done cohesive thinking i mean do you do does crisis ever look at um uh, other models across the world um and 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 when they make their policy yes definitely um and finland is a perfect example of a country that has as you say pretty much eradicated homelessness and a lot of the way they did that was through housing um through making sure that if someone was keeping rough or they were facing homelessness the first thing that that they did was make sure that person had a safe home and a safe place to live hmm. um and that that was not kind of temporary or it was it was a kind of permanent long-term place for someone to live with all of the wraparound support that they might need to help them on those steps out of homelessness um so 
yeah, we definitely look at examples like Finland and try and take that evidence um, and bring that here so that so that we can do have the same success here. Fantastic. Ruth Jacob, Policy and Parliamentary Affairs Manager of Crisis Organisation, thank you so much for taking time out this morning and coming on to The Breakfast Show. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. Thank you, you too. Some fantastic points mm. there. I mean, interesting, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, I mean, Finland. I mean, again, this is mm. something I, I went when I did some research on on when I was working in homelessness, mm. and and Finland have, uh, um, and it's good to hear what Ruth say that uh, they look at mm. uh, other successful models across the world. Mm. Um, education is a key mm. in working because, especially with the young and homeless, um, there needs to be counselling and mentoring mm. because a lot of youngsters just haven't got the right guidance. Yeah. Um, available mm. um, and they don't have the right environment and there's a lot of abuse be it mental or physical mm. that a lot of you, young people uh, have to suffer mm. and, and there there isn't anything in the system a lot of our, our homeless uh, people are ex-veterans mm. um, you know people who have served this country yeah. and they might have PTSD they mm. might have other mental health issues mm. um, challenges mm. um, and you know it is again going back to what we were talking about mm. in the first mm. segment. It is a failure mm. of of our governors, mm. of 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 our leaders, yeah. that um, people who have served this country and have given up, um, you know, um, time, effort, mm. lives, mm. Um, have been disabled because of war, not just mentally physically mm. but mm. in all aspects of their life mm. and and they end up on the street yeah. um they are having to deal with their mental challenges mm. via abuse of alcohol or drugs mm. because that's the only thing that makes them forget yeah makes them this, go this, numb right this is this is, so this is this is one aspect mm. this is one aspect people just don't understand mm. they think oh they're drinking alcohol and they're mm. getting drugged they're mm. drugged no, hmm. they they do that to forget, to escape, to forget exactly. Be, because yeah. it is more bearable hmm. to be intoxicated, hmm. and 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 to and to to fall around here and hmm. there, than to remember, hmm. or to have flashback images, hmm. or to or to think of that pain hmm. that you have suffered hmm. and that you might have caused as well. Hmm. In America, I was hmm. listening recently. Thousands of people who mm. served in the Iraq, mm. Uh, mm. vets, American mm. vets, committed suicide yeah. on yeah. their return. Yeah. Thousands in mm. double figures mm. because of the, 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 the mental trauma um, that they suffered mm. themselves mm. and others had to suffer because of the war. Mm. And they felt responsible. And when they did come back, mm. they did not... Um, um, th- they did not... Uh, uh, get the support mm. um, for the country that they fought for, yeah. and that's the that's the um, that's the tragic mm. um, uh, the situation uh, uh, with with regards to uh, a lot of people who are um, are are, are uh, on the on the on the street at the moment, and and of course, of course it is cold, mm. um, you know. Um, which makes it, the, know, the cost of worse, living right. isn't isn't really uh, a point to discuss here because mm. they've gone beyond that. Yeah, they 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 have already been a victim of the mm. cost of living. They have already been a victim of of austerity or 
or whatever you want to call it or or they've been a victim of not being able to access provision which uh, maybe they're entitled to hmm. um, th- there's loads of things uh, that uh, could be available could yeah. be could be helping uh, these people who are unfortunately homeless um, but on top of that hmm. they need hot food yeah. they need clothing they hmm. need warmth definitely which is what is going to be needed in the next coming weeks because as much as it's being cold now we always know that january and february is even more colder hmm uh, if one was to look at historically yeah, yeah. yeah december is cold it's hmm. getting cold and we kind of hmm. get used to it and 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 but come january yeah january is always very 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 cold it's more colder than december hmm. for some hmm. reason and and there needs to be provision the, out there to ensure that we protect these people yeah we do have online with us our second guest for this segment of the morning captain daniel holland from the salvation army he's a he's an officer at the salvation uh, salvation army with the experience of working in faith based organizations healthcare and social care uh captain daniel leads homelessness services across london the east of england and the south east this includes co-leading the malaki community housing project in lay on sea good morning peace be upon you and welcome to the breakfast show captain danny good morning uh, thanks for having me nice to be here it's an absolute pleasure of having you on um you know during this win- um, time in the winter what are some of the great difficulties that you know homeless people have to go through yeah so so obviously winter more than any time of year is is a, a big challenge for people who are uh, experiencing homelessness and yeah. uh, across our uh, churches and community centers across uh, the UK we've seen a, a real significant increase hmm. uh, in people accessing uh, our services especially those who are um experiencing homelessness and and sleeping uh, on the streets and obviously cold winter uh, cold weather especially yeah. uh, has real implications for people's mental health and hmm. physical health Uh, as well as the usual issues of uh, accessing food and clothing and toilets and showers and accommodations uh, so so yeah winter especially makes homelessness a, a big issue uh, mm. in the UK and you know um in terms of the recent pandemic uh, mm. inflation and other circumstances um you know uh, f- how have they affected homeless people this year yeah so so the rise in the cost of living uh, and the cost of living crisis has, has hit everybody but yeah. uh, for those already struggling uh, to make ends meet especially people uh, experiencing homelessness it's hmm. uh, been devastating they've literally lost uh, everything uh, you know when they were struggling before but now they're, they're struggling uh, even more so the salvation army uh, responding to the needs of people up and down uh, the country who hmm. for example can't feed their families can't heat their homes or pay the bills yeah um and uh, in our uh, community centers and our churches across the UK uh, we'd be giving out more food parcels and more employment and debt advice than uh, we ever have done um to to people hmm and uh, what does the Sal- salvation army do to you know um, uh, apart from what you just mentioned what, what else uh, like other projects and stuff do they do to help uh, homeless people through this tough time yeah. Yeah, so the Salvation Army offers a, a range of services, recognising that people experiencing homelessness are people first and foremost, so they, they come with uh, a range of uh, needs. So mm. um, our work includes everything from homelessness services to uh, supporting victims of modern slavery, people who are experiencing addiction. Um, we, we also uh, campaign, so we, we work with local government and uh, central government to, to change social policy. Uh, but just to give you an idea of a, a typical night, for example, uh, in the United Kingdom and Ireland, we provide places to sleep mm. uh, for around three three hundred three thousand people mm. uh, across uh, the UK in our eighty two lifehouses. 
Um, and we also then provide uh, day centres and drop-ins where people can access you know, food, clothing, information, advice, support, mm. and basic things like access to toilets and, and showers that yeah. uh, they, they can't access on the streets as well. That's, that's, that's amazing work that you guys are doing. Um, Captain Daniel, I mean, I'm going to go back 30 odd years. I, mm. I remember when within the Amdia Muslim Youth Association, we used to share a platform with Salvation Army, but at that time we used to be we used to go to Charing Cross um, Underground Station, which used to be the cardboard city. Um, and and you know there used to be cucumber sandwiches and tuna sandwiches, and we used to turn up with our lentil and and rice, and we used to kind of share uh, the table where people used to just come and line up, and and somebody who yeah. wanted cold food and somebody wanted hot food. It was it was a fantastic collaboration of of. Uh, uh, of some good work being done, yeah. is, do those kind of things still happen? Yeah, so so uh, it ranges across across the UK, but in in London, for example, um, uh, behind uh, um, Oxford Street uh, on on Princess Street, just behind Oxford Street, we have a, a drop-in service there where uh, we we provide food and and stuff. And uh, in Norwich, for example, we we still uh, do uh, give give out food. And I think, as you said, partnership with with other people uh, is the key. So. Um, How can how can our listeners become involved in this in this in this good cause? What can they do to help? Well, well, first of all, I, I would always say never never underestimate the power of, of compassion. You know, ultimately, people experiencing homelessness are people uh, first and foremost, just like you and I. Um, so, if if you see someone experiencing homelessness, you know, the basics of a, a friendly smile, a hello, uh, the offer of a drink or something to eat can be a, a really powerful response. Um, uh, obviously, then the other options are things like donating to, to homelessness charities and, and faith groups to ensure this this work can continue. Um, but, but also, um, people might have heard of Streetlink. Um, so, if you see somebody who's just sleeping, uh, you can refer them to Streetlink via the Streetlink uh, website or, or mobile phone app, and then an outreach team can go out uh, and, and help them. And, and equally, volunteering as well. So, if you've got a local uh, charity or, or faith group that's near you. Uh, sign up and, and offer some some of your time as well to help. Um, we were talking to Ruth Jacob earlier from Crisis. She also mentioned mm-hmm. Streetlink. Can you can you tell tell us something about that? Yeah, so so Streetlink is a uh, a web based app. You can you can download it on, as a mobile phone app, or you can go onto their website, Streetlink, all one word. And effectively, you can you can report where somebody is staying. So, for example, somebody is sleeping outside. Um, a tube station, for example, you can you can alert Streetlink via the app that somebody is sleeping outside a tube station, uh, and then a specialist outreach team uh, will go out and and try to work with that person um, and see if there's any help, advice, or support that they they can give them. So it's a it's a useful app to uh, to have. Fantastic, um, Captain Daniel. Thank you so much for taking thank time out and coming on to the breakfast show this morning. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic work. Mm. I mean, with Salvation Army. Mm. I mean, I remember, and again, this is going back when, in when you know, I was a member of the Amdi Muslim Youth Association. Mm. Uh, you know, in in yeah, th- about thirty-two odd years ago, mm. um, and uh, we we had started doing. Um, uh, we used to, you know, make these big pots yeah. of of uh, lentil and mm. rice and mm. heat it up. You know, nowadays you guys go with the. Uh, 
I know you 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 yeah. you make the little plastic yeah, boxes. Yeah, we make the little plastic boxes. Well, it's a lot easier. We used well, mm. well no, I find that more we used to take the whole pot. <laughs> we used to take yeah. the pot to the scene mm. and when we used to get there Salvation mm. Army had their mm. tables ready mm. and they used to have their cucumber sandwiches and they used to have uh, um, cheese and tomato mm. cheese and pickle mm. they used to have this array of sandwiches they used mm. to have ready and they used to give out blankets yeah. and and we kind of uh, linked up with them as a, as a, as the community as a, as a youth association mm. and and then we kind of set up with them mm. it was really cool mm. Um, um, and we just put we used to just put a big pot mm. of rice and lentil on the table, and we used to have these little, um, uh, you know, the 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 the, the plates, mm. the, the polystyrene little plates, yep, yep, yep. and uh, people used to come pick up the plate. We used to mm. pour it for them. Now you just give out, mm. but we 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 used to pour it for them, mm. and and it used to be nice and warm, and and somebody whoever wanted warm food, they would have warm food. Mm. Whoever wanted cold sandwiches mm. um, or drinks or, or a cup of tea, because yeah. the Salvation Army, they used to have the urn. Mm. They used to have give out teas as well. And again, I'm going back 30, yeah, 32 odd years ago. Mm. Um, and uh, there's some fantastic work um, um, that uh, that was done. And I'm sure even today, I know Humanity First mm. do some, some yeah. excellent work. Um, and they work uh, in collaboration with other agencies mm. in in dealing and challenging uh, the, some of the some of the circumstances that people are suffer. Mm. Um, now, it's strange that we living in the sixth largest economy in the world, the sixth richest economy, mm. with the sixth richest in the world. Mm. Yet we are sitting here and we are talking about cost of living crisis people are, people people are mm. not being able to feed their yeah. children mm. if i was to start the program and say well you know if there's a winter crisis there's a food crisis and people are dying and people are being left homeless yeah the the last country that would come to mind is united kingdom mm. but that's what we've been talking about for the past two hours yeah i mean evictions from a private rented home um is one of the main reasons for um, homelessness but Ruth kind of, uh, kind of dealt with that too as well. Where a lot of landlords get uh, hmm. kind of demonised and they get looked, they get spoken about in a, in a very negative term. Oh, they're evicting tenants. But the problem is the rent that the local authority give, which is the local housing allowance, hmm. is so low compared to what the market rent is that landlords la- landlords suffer. Hmm. And plus, what people don't realise is mortgages have gone up. Mm. So the cost for the landlord has also gone up, mm. and the, and if and you know it's 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 a it's a cash twenty two, mm. where landlords do try and help um, the local you know, the, the local authority, but the local mm. authority doesn't um, you know they, they don't uh, kind of look upon landlords in a favourable manner, um, and what people forget is mm. that a very significant percentage of homeless people families mm. are housed in the private sector. And if they do not kind of work on a just partnership mm. with the private sector, the numbers of people becoming homeless will increase. Mm. They won't decrease. It will increase because more landlords will say, well, you're bringing in more new and new regulation and you're looking to tax us more and, and you're, you're looking for us to do more and more things, which they're willing to do. But mm. but it's got to work both ways no, but you know the thing with uh, about this is a lot of landlords they own more than one property 
there will be like four or five properties that they own. Huh? We live in a free world. I know. I'm not saying anything uh-huh. against it. I'm it's saying it's, it's great it's, for them. Uh-huh. Props to them. Do whatever you want. But I'm saying a lot of landlords will just increase the rent just on the basis of getting more profit. No. Yes. It's not simple as that. It is. It's, no, 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 no. No, no, no. It, it, it actually is. It's not. I'm a landlord. I can okay. tell you that. Okay. I can no, tell you're you. a nice landlord then. Um, no, no. It does, no, you see, the cost of a landlord, mm. there used to be a time where they used to get tax benefits. Mm. All of those have been mm. taken away. Mm. If a mortgage of a landlord has gone up, yeah. is he supposed to pay that from his own pocket? No, no, of course not. I'm saying if, if they've paid the mortgage off. How many, this is the thing. Yeah. You talked about in the earlier days yeah. earlier. Yeah. Well, landlords, there's a very, very, mm. there's a handful of landlords. Mm. Who've paid their mortgages Who've off. paid their mortgages mm. off. Because it takes like 25, 30, 30 if that, years. Yeah. But even after 25 mm. years, they reschedule their mortgage mm. for another 25 years. Mm. Because it's not, it's, it's, it's where um, you said earlier that it's harder for people to get on the property ladder. Mm. Well, some of it's that much more difficult for landlords to buy property on a buy-to-let market. A lot of people, they talk about, oh, the buy-to-let market and landlords are getting mm. rich and this. Mm. No, they're not. Mm. A lot of landlords are, are now in a position where they mm. can't afford to, to keep the properties anymore. And they're throwing their properties back on the market. Mm. They're having to sell. Mm. It, it, is, it, it isn't easy. It isn't hard. It, there is a middle ground here. Yeah. But we are living in a society at the moment where you're either for them but or you're against them. I'm, I'm speaking from a personal perspective. As a tenant, mm-hmm. I've in the last few years, few years, I've had two, three landlords mm-hmm. that have just raised the rent on the basis of, of just profiting. And I, I'm, I'm speaking on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying there are people out there. There must be good, there's, there's definitely good people out there. There's nothing there's wrong in yeah. making a profit. No, no, there's nothing and, but, wrong in but, that. There's but, nothing wrong in that. No, no. But I'm saying there is. If you're not taking uh, profit is fine as long if as you're, you're not taking advantage of somebody else's uh, um, uh, um, not misery but you're, you're taking of somebody else's situation that if they're you're cornered. milking someone right if you're yeah, milking yeah. someone then then it's understandable if 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 someone is say someone's living there they're giving the rent right every now and then you keep on increasing it uh, and saying if you don't pay this just move out I'll find someone else but that's demand and supply. I completely understand. I'm. I'm not saying that. I'm. You're. You're not understanding my point. <laughs> I am understanding your point. I'm just. I'm just playing with you. I'm playing with you. You're. You're. You're, you're correct. Hmm. But what I'm saying is, it isn't as simple as, um, you know, this notion no, that that's that's why people end up on the street. Well, no, that people, is one of the people, reasons as well. One, one of people the biggest, can't afford their rent. People. Well, no, they, 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 through it, the private sector, as as you rightly mentioned. Yes, private sector. Yes, families. Hmm. They get housed by the local authority. Hmm. These people that we're talking about who end up homeless, mm. it aren't, they, they are not being evicted and, and the councils are, are not putting them on mm. the street. This, that, that's, a, that's, a, the, 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 that's a smokescreen here mm. where we talk about the private sector. Mm. When, private, when families are evicted mm. um, from private sector, then mm. it's the responsibility of the local authority to house them. Yeah. Okay, and house mm. them. And then what they do is they put them in temporary accommodation. They do, yes. Temporary accommodation... Mm. In legal terms, mm. is home is 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 deemed as homelessness. Yeah. You're homeless if you're in temporary accommodation. Mm. Mm. So there's there's a lot of uh, playing with words here. Mm. Um, I'm talking about homeless people who or are having to live on yeah. the street. Mm. Most of them are there because of 
mental, physical abuse, um, PTSD, mm. um, uh, um, mental health challenges, um, or disability. Mm. You know, there are medical or disability reasons mm. that a lot of people um, end up on the street. Yeah. Very few families mm. you will ever find are mm. living on the street because um, as much as... Uh, I agree with you, private sector. But, but you know, private sector evictions. Mm. You have to bear in mind, mm. it's, it's not something a landlord does. Mm. It's the court. It's the it's the courts that do it. Mm. It is the court who decides whether somebody is going to be evicted or not. Because mm. a landlords don't just say, "Here's a notice, and you have to get out." Mm. The law says when the landlord says gives you a notice, mm. when uh, then you know, and if you don't find a place to live, mm. it is up to the landlord. To go to the court mm. to uh, to to make an application mm. to 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 get you evicted. Yeah. Even once a court, even if when a judge issues a a order for you mm. to vacate, mm. even then a landlord cannot evict you, evict you mm. because you have to make an application to the bailiffs. Mm. Once the bailiffs have arrived, then it is for you to go to the local authority, and the local authority mm. will house you. Mm. So, as I said. There is a there is a due process that needs to be followed, no. and the landlord loses six to eight months mm. at time, mm-hmm. especially now because of the, the, the such a backlog of no. um, cases that courts had because mm. of COVID. The COVID courts were closed, mm-hmm. and th- there was a you know the, the, um, there there were no evictions allowed mm. over the pandemic, mm. rightly so. Yeah, um, but as I said, this isn't a a simple. Of course, of course. I'm not. It, I'm not saying. I'm it, not saying it, it in it simple terms. Uh, it's, it's, it's not. A it's simple, not black and white. Of it's course. not black and white. Of no. course, it, it is a. It is very difficult. Mm. A situation um, that gets created, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, um, th- th- but there are solutions uh, to be had. Mm. Um, but but it's a question of finding that middle ground where you know professionals, um, you know. Um, get together and, and uh, do joined up thinking. Hmm. That's the solution to it. So in, t- in terms of Islam, under the institution of zakat, it is the duty of an Islamic state to levy ta- a tax of 2.5% on average uh, upon all wealth and capital which has been in the uh, possession or under the direction of an uh, assessee for one year. Unused. Yeah, uh, unused. Yeah. The proceeds of this tax must be devoted exclusively towards the relief of poverty and the raising of the standard of the living of the poor. The Holy Quran says, and spend out of what we have provided for them. It, it, it you know, mm. the, the zakat is, is, is on redundant yeah. wealth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, you know, Unused something which you haven't used for around. one yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's not on all mm. wealth. Yeah. Um, it, it is uh, it is on unused capital mm, mm. that uh, and again some of the solutions of today's problems is in 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 zakat definitely there is a there is a fantastic philosophy and there's a psychology of zakat mm. that that you know that will take uh, you know another show mm. um, but we are coming up to the hour um, thank you to Hania um, and uh, um, Maria Sheikh Safia Nasser and Mehdish Dogar. Um, thank you to you, brother Arthur. Thank you to brother Akib um, for taking time out uh, and uh, uh, in, in producing and presenting the show. Uh, thank you to all of our guests for taking time yeah. out this morning and uh, coming onto the show. Thank you to you for listening. Uh, I will be back tomorrow morning um, with uh, brother Shahil with two more yeah. interesting uh, topics. Please forgive any shortcomings on our part. 
please remember us in your prayers. Until tomorrow morning, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.